0: Hello and welcome to episode 4, the final episode of the Black Plaque podcast series. I'm Dr Jack, founder of Nubian Jack, the community trust that creates plaques, memorials, statues and other products to make black history known in Britain. As part of our Black Plaque project, we've put up 30 plaques in London to celebrate the stories of black historical figures. In this original podcast series, I'll be speaking to black men and women who are inspiring, creative, aspiring. influential individuals as we discuss their chosen historical figures and who they feel should be part of the Black Plat Project.
1: Oh, she was, uh, I'd like to call her an activist that kind of crossed over a lot of boundaries. She was very young when she came across an incident in Brixton involving Clement Gomwalk, a a Nigerian diplomat. Just wanted to clear something up because there's a bit of a misinformation around that incident.
0: For more info on our community trust visit nubianjack.org. For more on the Black Plaque Project, visit BlackPlaqueProject.com. In this last episode, I'll be talking to Ron K. Lawal, cultural commentator and founder of Ariatu PR. We will discuss a chosen figure for the Black Plaque Project, activist and feminist Olive Morris. I started my conversation with Ronke by asking her about the Black British experience in London.
1: Oh, you, do you know what? I'll be honest with you. I, and I've been having this conversation a lot, Well, I have this conversation pretty much most every year of my life. So I was born in Hackney, East okay. London, uh, Nigerian descent and Nigerian parentage. Um, and I am Nigerian, right? So I always, mm-hmm. it's, it's one of these things, like language is so powerful, but also yeah. I'm really conscious of who I am. I know who I am. So yeah. I'm Nigerian. But I was born in Britain. I was born in Hackney. Um, I... I am not a patriot, or I don't have national pride about being British. And to be no. quite frank, given everything yeah. that's happened recently, I'm not necessarily yeah. na- pr- proud of Nigeria as a country. So, anybody who wants to drag me for that, drag me. So, London and being from Hackney has actually been my source of greatest pride even though there's a lot of issues and there's a lot of problems that comes with that so being a black londoner and being a black in london has literally been a home it's the only place i can really say is okay my home but there's a lot of complexities to that which i'm sure will unpack
0: yes yes absolutely okay so with that let me just unpack that a little bit more. So how do you identify then? You said you identify yourself as, <sighs> as Nigerian, but you're not necessarily proud of Nigeria. That's a dichotomy in itself. Yeah,
1: isn't mm. it? Well, because <laughs> I can say I'm British. I'm British, right? I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily call myself English, but I'd call myself right. British. Yeah. Can um, I
0: just can I just get a little bit more clearer definition? Are you black, British, or British? African, British, Nigerian British? How would you in what sort of I mean, I'm being pedantic, but no. is there a precursor to British?
1: No, that's, that's a great question. I think I I, I call myself black British, but at the same time, I'm, I'm Nigerian British as well. So that's a really good question, because it's that complexity that we never, we never kind of, uh, we're never allowed to unpack that. Well, when I say allowed, it's all, it always feels like it has to be one way or the other. But, um, it's too it's too it's too complex to be able to say i'm one way but if we were going if we we're going to be e- you know for ease of this conversation yeah. like black, black british nigerian
0: <laughs> i understand before we go into your nominated uh hero if you like i just want to ask you what does this project mean to you what does taking part commenting on your hero mean to you as a black british person
1: so you know, I've been in PR for m- many years and what I what what I'm passionate about making sure that black stories are given the opportunity to be profiled amplified and honored and i find that in this country and it's intentionally so they're not always honored in the way they ought to be there is a lack of documentation there's a lack of uh historical evidencing of our people or people who make an impact within Uh, British society, you know, our communities, our diaspora communities. So for me, a project like this is just, you know, this is why I kind of ran towards it because it's so, so important. I can't, you
0: know,
1: and all, you know... (laughs) of all the years of being in this country and being yeah. raised in this country and living in this country, I see, it, it almost feels like it gets worse. It almost feels like we'll suddenly uncover this new story or this new history. And it's like, well, it's, they've always been there. That individual's always been there. All the work they've done has always been there. So why have we not seen it? Why yeah. are we not, been taught and you know i I give thanks that my parents were quite good at encouraging us to learn for ourselves and to do the reading and to talk and discuss things but you know so we didn't rely on an international curriculum Curriculum, but you have to constantly dig deeper otherwise the stories of the people that you know you document and you're highlighting would just be be hidden and it doesn't make any sense because they're all in modern history it's not like it was hundreds and hundreds of years ago it's literally just decades ago so for me a project like this is just it's essential
0: yes in many ways you may not realize how fortunate you are coming from a nigerian background because you would have had cultural icons of your own not just you know family examples but you might have historical examples in your particular group if you don't mind me saying are you yoruba how's that are you yoruba yeah. You're a Yoruba? Okay, yes. <laughs> so I'm a Jamaican and there's many Yoruba uh, heroes that I identify with as well. What brought you to Olive, for instance? What uh, made you have an interest in Olive Morris?
1: First of all, the lack of documentation of black black women as a, as a whole. We, 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 we don't get that opportunity to be honoured and profiled. And... It was just, when I started, When I, I think I only discovered her a few years ago, to be really honest. Okay. And yet she's, uh, she was such a passionate voice within activism in London. Absolutely. Um, uh, as well as being a voice against pre- police, police brutality, against racial discrimination, she was a housing activist. And, and I think yeah. this is where my passion for her also, re- and a feminist, also really inflamed, because yeah. gr- being born and bred in, in, a, in a place like Hackney, I've seen all the issues that Olive was... Um, highlighting and profiling I've seen them all be highlighted and profiled uh, even to this day so Mm. you know and knowing how young she was like what she was able to achieve in that that short space of time incredible incredible I just yeah Absolutely
0: love. Her. Well, she is actually a Brixton legend. Uh, my offices are in Brixton, and uh, the old town hall was named after her, actually, Olive Morris House. Of course, you know we are going to be uh, installing a plaque to her. Why do you think she's important, not just to the Black community, but to the mainstream community? Why should we know who Olive Morris is?
1: She was able to highlight a variety and array yeah. of different I- issues yeah. that often get silenced. So she was Indeed. able to, and this is why I said, she was able to focus on, focus simultaneously on women's yeah. rights, black rights, working, yeah. the working class struggle, Absolutely. housing rights, yeah. Um, anti-imperialism, anti-capitalism. Indeed. You know, she was yes. she was a phenomenal. She
0: was a force woman. of nature, wasn't she? Really, Absolutely. you know. Yes. Really I was. I love the fact that she couldn't actually be contained. And, you know, I mean there was an, an incident where they occupied a, a building, a, you know, a, a squatter's sitting, as it were, and she was actually the spokesman. There was a lot of people there. This was a multicultural um demonstration. And Olive Morris became the voice for that. So I was particularly impressed with her story as well. Okay, Ron Kay, Olive Morris, an amazing lady, amazing young woman, activist, feminist, black nationalist, what is right, phenomenal sister. Tell us a little bit more about her, because, I mean, she's amazing. And yet there's so much to know about her, so much more to know about her.
1: Olive was, oh, she was, uh, I'd like to call her an activist that kind of crossed over a lot of boundaries. She was very young when she came across an incident in Brixton involving uh Clement Gomwalk, a, a Nigerian diplomat. Just wanted to clear something up because there's a miss there's a bit of a misinformation around that incident. She did not actually get in front of the police. According to her, he had already right. been arrested. What What happened was they took her away during that process. It was like she was physically in an altercation and physically right. assaulted and racially abused by the police. But she did not... There's a story that was amplified at the time that she came between the police and him. And right. that, according to her, so these are her words, that didn't yeah. actually happen. But it's interesting right. about... I wanted to just touch on that because it's interesting about the framing of how she was suddenly positioned as this strong black woman when she was only 17. I was
0: going to um, ask, you, she was 17 at the time. Yeah, as well. she was 17,
1: mm. but she was she she became, and because of that, and because of her experience with the police, the hands of the police, she became an activist with the British and Black Panthers. Yes. Um, she became um, a housing rights activist. Yeah. She co-founded the Brixton Black Women's Group. She went to yeah. university in Manchester. Olive yeah. was bad. <laughs> was Olive bad, was on a level. But- yeah, yeah, yeah. She deserves to be documented amplified like her story yeah. like if yeah. this world if this country made sense i'm gonna be honest with you jack if this yeah. country made sense she would be known a lot more widely than she can't yeah. but we keep it going and i'm glad we're on this podcast talking about her
0: sometimes we have to do it ourselves okay absolutely sometimes people like to be reticent about our achievement and i have to say back to olive that incident although slightly misconstrued Brought her into the public spotlight, didn't it? Yeah,
1: absolutely, yeah. absolutely. It gave her, and in in a in a, in a, in a, in a in, and it's not in a good, it's not a good thing. You know, she was arrested at that age. She yeah. was um, was physically assaulted. You know, physically, you know, threatened by the police. She really suffered a police brutality. Yeah. Um, but it spurred that in her, you know, and it and it gave her the courage when she when she was released to do the work that she subsequently did, and and that's we, we, what we give thanks for.
0: Is there any part of her personality that you have? Taken on board yourself, embodied yourself. I mean, have you thought about being a squatter? <laughs> Not quite.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Although sometimes it feel, you know, the way this country treats us, it feels like we, we have. That that we're squatting here, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would say, I would say that you, you, you've, just, you've just nailed it when you said that she cannot be contained. No. Um, I feel like the fact that she was able to. Um, she was able to touch on a variety of issues yeah. and be so vocal on those issues without being defined as just one thing. And this is where, you know, when you asked me earlier, oh, you know, uh, how, do, you know, am I black British? Am I British Nigerian? Yeah. Am I a black Londoner? It's yeah. like I'm all of those things. You Absolutely. know, you, you can't just define me as one. And 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 her voice and her presence just symbolise that so well. Like, it, mm. and also if we look at it, it was that intersectionality of just. She, this is why I love, you know, this is another reason why I, I really love her story and, you know, who she who she was and who she represented is, you know, there was no, no, no such thing as like a diasporan war as such. She right. was able to, she's, yes, she's a Jamaican woman, but she also spoke up on behalf of different diaspora communities and she was able to travel she was well traveled so she traveled to china and she was able to look at you know what those um, similarities were the struggles and the anti-imperialist struggles in china yeah, and bring yeah. them over here she worked with the american black panther party yeah. and you know there was just so much crossover and that's for me what I want to embody in my life. Like I want, yes, I'm Nigerian. Yes, I'm European, yes, I'm a black woman, black British woman born in Hackney. But also I want all of these stories combined to bring us all in together as community. Like how do we define community and, and not be become this kind of indiv- individualistic society that a lot of A lot of what we're seeing happening now wants us to be like individualism and it's just for each other. She was very much about community. And I love I love that about her story. Yeah.
0: So she was what you would call a Windrush generation baby. She was born in 1952. And alas, she died 27 years later, uh, 1979. And I would say like a ripple in a pond, we are getting to know her a lot more. Are there any other Black British women that you identify with, also, you know, is she the standout example of resistance and struggle for you?
1: That's a really good question. And I think I need to do more work and reading. I think when when I hold I don't I don't want to kind of idolise some one person and put her on this kind of pedestal okay. like she would. Yeah. But I think because of the, the age and the and the and the timing, I focused a lot on her story. And it also it also awakened the fact that. Her story and, and, and what she did highlighted that we, our histories are often Americanized. so I could probably name more Americans. tonight, exactly. Or I could probably name more, you know, um, black men than yeah. I could her. But I, I think her yeah. story, because it was so short-lived, Yeah, Um, is the one that I I tend to to go back on, you know, politically, obviously, there's amazing uh, black British politicians in the space right now. But I think her story is the one I always like to kind of go back to.
0: I think it's amazing. Do you have siblings? Uh, And they have similar political outlooks like yourself?
1: That's a good question, Jack. Um, to some degree, to some degree, I don't want to speak on behalf of my sister because <laughs> she'll be listening and she'll side eye. But I, I do think we, we we have our juicy conversations, and that's what I'm. You know, we grew up working class and working class, but also quite kind of radical as well. My parents were yeah. quite radical. What I remember distinctly is like my parents making sure we remembered who we were connected to. So it's so I love the fact that you talked about. Um, you know, your, you know, J- Jamaican heritage. My parents yeah. were very much, they've never been to Jamaica, but would always make sure that we understood that we were linked to Jamaica. Not oh, just really but literally. Yeah, no, they always, really interesting. we would always like, I mean, obviously initially, because when we were children specifically, Daddy would always like play reggae music initially. And then he'd have the conversations, then he'd talk and then we talk about the politics and he, you know, ease us in. That's how you educate, right? So have fun first and then ease us in so even just like culturally respecting that um you know you know the cultural landscape so pop culture desmond's make sure we watch desmond's not just because it's black people on tv but also talk about we are one like we're connected and we talk so we'd be entertained first then we talk about it in our home so Having, having that at home makes it a lot easier to have those conversations in our family and with my sister. That's and- so
0: interesting because I cringe <laughs> when I watch Desmond's. I ain't going to lie. I, I cringe <laughs> then. I really? cringe now on the repeats. Absolutely. <laughs> but I, I realise it was, you know, it was an actual cultural voice for some of us. I, I'm of Jamaican, I was born here like yourself, but in a typical Jamaican household, we do not, and this is what I was trying to allude earlier, we do not necessarily have the strong African... Connection historically, because obviously there was a, you know, there was a disconnection when the uh, journey overseas was made for free labor, putting it very softly there. Mm. Uh, So we were brought up in a house with, you know. You must have seen the standard West Indian room, but one of the standout icons in the West Indian room was picture of the Son of God, who just happened to be blonde-haired and blue-eyed. And I wondered if you had similar icons in your house, or did you have, or did you have strong African cultural visual representation?
1: That's a really good question, and and it's really important to make sure we identify that, like all of these things are. Uh, unique to each area so even even it's so funny that you said that like you creed when you watched Desmond but I know yeah. consciously that Desmond wasn't even it's, it's obviously not Jamaican it's, it's Guyanese like Guyanese yeah, diaspora dying. specifically yeah. so yeah. it wasn't yeah. even that but even in our household we were clear that like everywhere has its own unique identity and we respect that we respect that and there was um, a strong
0: African character in Desmond's anyway. Do you remember? <laughs> Well-educated, erudite chat.
1: I'm watching it now. So I'm yes. looking back on it laughing. And it does have its cringe moment and it's this respectability moment. But even that, but uh, I mean, going back to your question in terms of symbolism and what was at home, we did not have, because um, I grew up in a household that was Muslim and Christian.
0: Interesting. Um,
1: so we did not have a visual representations of that so i I can't you know when people talk about uh that image of christ i can't relate like we would go to church yeah we'd also um go you know uh the mosque practice yeah not regularly to the mosque that's why i was careful of of how i okay
0: okay. um
1: so can i ask
0: was your was your parents different religions then was your you know one uh, one muslim one christian or? so it's
1: not unusual in Ni- in nigerian households to have oh yoruba let me be specific sorry yoruba yeah. households to have that kind of inter uh, inter religiosity yes, my yes. my parents are actually both muslim but in our actual oh. families so or our, our immediate from, family from the group of yoruba, there yeah. are yeah there are christians who were heavily influenced so i had close aunties who were very who were very 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 much deeply embedded into the christian community yeah. uh, and christians themselves So, but we never used to have those visual images and my mother, and I think that comes from and I always say to my mum, she should have been it's a shame the way the world is and the way life sometimes has its knockbacks she should have been a political activist or at least a political commentator because she was quite radical so even though she was raised in a very strict she was uh, was raised in a lot stricter household than my dad in terms of Muslim upbringing um, she's a very... free thinker she's very she's it's always about critical thinking so she would always ask questions why and actually if you look at islam, islam and, and its teachings you are supposed to ask questions yeah. <laughs> so you're not you're not <laughs> supposed to just take it as given so i never yeah. used to have that we never used to have that but we always used to honor and respect all of these individual and even down to like ancestral practices you know understand that they're not to be we're not we're not to to be afraid of them like you know, in in Yoruba um, in culture, in our Yoruba communities, there are there are ancestral practices, there are traditional practices that, that precede all of these kind of Western religion, whatever. We, we were raised to respect them, even if we don't practice them. And this is why for everything, and, and we, we have that, it holds true for everything in life, we... Respect everybody's individual kind of um, upbringing and uniqueness, and we we'll hopefully learn. Like we don't get it, we don't always get it right, but the whole point is to learn from each other.
0: Yes. Before I come on to what you're doing now, I just wanted to punctuate that point that you are so lucky to have a rounded set of parents or a couple of parents <laughs> who can give you the the freedom to think. Uh, and I'll tell you juxtapose that with my experiences. Being born in a West Indian household, it was it was Christianity. So Islam mm. was you know, a definite no-no. And so my rebellion against that was to become a Rastafarian or a Rastafari. Oh, okay. And uh, what I did was to go through that rites of passage, I colored them the picture of Jesus on the wall <laughs> with a crayon and made him black to my grandmother's horror. But the best part of it was before she left us, she began to question, it may be possible that the man they called Jesus was of Africa you know had a darker hue so that was uh you know my religious journey into enlightenment Mm. so fascinating background you have tell us about what you're doing now
1: so I do I'm a PR and comms consultant so I work on public relations media relations on behalf of clients in the creative sector I've predominantly worked with and I have no kind of about saying this. I most of my clients have always been black. I've been very intentional. Oh, about the okay. majority of my clients be either being black or clients who wish to engage in, with diasporan communities and black audiences. So I, you know, it's not always been easy, Jack. Like, because in the industry, I kind of Happened upon. I had created this this business for myself, and yeah. um, the PR industry traditionally is like everything. <laughs> it's traditionally yeah. very very white. But yeah. also, even just the fact that I am a black woman in an industry that's very very white, I am a black woman in 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 this industry who wanted to serve my yeah. black community, yeah. and I was, yeah. and I, and I did not want to kind of erase. My blackness, or I did not want to undermine yeah. um, my black heights, or anything like that. So it's it's not been easy. believe it's got a lot. It's gotten a lot better, and it's a lot easier. Um, yeah. But it's not been easy because I think in this this country tries to erode our our blah, blah, yeah, blah, blah. yeah our, um, our our black pride, so to speak. Our greatness,
0: like yeah. Our genius, yeah, our yeah, black yeah, magic.
1: Yeah, And and not be like I've never had to. I've never felt the need to feel kind of grateful to yeah. English society or anything yeah. I've just moved in alignment with my purpose of doing this work and serving my black community and just doing yeah. the best I can but it's yeah. really not been easy and actually this is probably why Olive Morris's story has resonated so well because it's just that idea of you know almost an erasure and almost like It's this desire that we should be so honoured to be here that we shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't amplify or speak up on behalf of ourselves. And actually, I've I've consistently being against that and just wanting to be, uh, yeah, be, himself, be who yeah. I am. Well, you, yeah. you
0: should be commended. And to, to tell you the truth, it's kind of a no-brainer because there's so many businesses and entrepreneurial activities out there and we do need somebody to understand our particular, you know, experiences and our, and our way of getting to market. So, I mean, I know uh, quite a few black PR companies as well, but I commend you on your vision. I understand it was a little bit difficult in the beginning. It will only get easier because there's a lot, you have a lot more to work with. Okay. And if I can just quickly interject uh, on my experience, I did a board game some 25 years ago now called Strangely Enough, Nibie and Jack. Uh, and at the time I was told I did. By the way, there wasn't a black PR company that could market my game for me. Mm. So uh, I eventually got it in Toys R Us and Hamleys. And I was told um, it would never sell in there because obviously it would be white consumers because apparently we didn't go to Toys R Us. But I just thought I'd share my journey with you. Bring it back to Olive Morris. Yes. How would you like to see her commemorated? I mean, how would you like her to be better known? And how can we make her better known?
1: Wow. How can we make her better known? Wow. There's a few things. I mean, I, I want people literally just to know her. Now, how do we do that? How do we document this? Is it, is, do we need to have a, a documentary? Do we need to have a, some kind of, you know, a series or, or bring something up? I don't know, a book. But a book that speaks to the truth of what she stood for. That would be fantastic.
0: Do you know there is no documentary on Olive Morris? There's one or two books, but there's no documentary.
1: Yeah, I would love to see. And even if I'm not, you know, I would love to see. So I'm going to be really specific and be, and you know, wh- whoever people could, people might not agree, but I would love to see... A a a, a, black, a dark skin, specifically dark skinned black woman, just because I I recognise the politics of colorism in our in our communities. So a dark skinned black woman fronting a documentary um, on Olive Morris and honouring all of the various intersections of her life and her short-lived life. Um, and, I, and I think that would be really important. A film, if, if a film, do you know, film is interesting. And this is why I kind of referred back to how culture and entertainment and music can can could be used to educate, like my parents used to do, right? So they would, they would play a song or, or show us something and then they'd talk about why it mattered. So maybe a film on her life and a film, but yeah, but it, ha- it has to be made by the right person. Like it has to be made by, it has to be a black filmmaker, Preferably a black British woman filmmaker, but we know in, in this world it's not, it might not always be possible. And it, it deserves to get the backing and the PRing and the marketing yeah. and advertising um, and the honour um, and the truth and of who it. And would you
0: suggest play, play her? Have you got anybody oh. in mind that would be... <laughs> <laughs> who,
1: who, who would play her? You know, that's a really good question. Uh, Letitia Wright? Is Letitia Wright um, okay. the one who, who was in... Uh, Black Panther, right? I think that's her right, name, right? Yeah, I hope I'm getting yeah. it right. Um, she might be a good good one. That's okay. a good question.
0: Guess what? Know? The best thing is we've got options <laughs> more and more <laughs> black faces now coming out there. Do you
1: know what would be nice? I know that because because it's because of building is now being redeveloped or it's been knocked down. I think they're going to still name, rename that new building in Brixton after her, right?
0: Yes, yes. And we're going to have um, some plaques to her as good, well. Good, good. Yeah.
1: Possibly, possibly a statue, possibly. Interesting. Okay. I, yeah, have I, I wonder. Have you seen the statues
0: on Windrush Square? Have you seen anything on Windrush Square? There's a statue there and there's another one going up to Cherry Grove.
1: Oh. Action
0: on Windrush Square, yeah.
1: Oh, I didn't know. so is there a statue of, of Olive?
0: There's a, no, there's a statue to a it's uh, it's war a, memorial. But right, yeah, it's a commemoration. Amazing. Yes, war I remember. Yeah.
1: yeah, no, I remember that. Yes. Okay. I think possibly a statue. I think maybe, you know, I don't know how people decide on these things when it comes to statues, but I think what she did deserves... But I'm glad there's at least a, the plaques are, 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 are going to be put in place, and I think that's important.
0: So you are one of the panellists... And thank you so much for being such a very interesting interviewee. Tell me as a panellist, what are you doing at the moment? You know, tell us a bit more about your projects, apart from this one, of course. What are your current endeavours?
1: Sure. So I'm, a, I'm, I'm really deeply into my business at the moment. So I've had a lot of uh, PR contracts recently. So I'm, I'm at, probably at capacity because I've got to make sure I manage my self-care as yeah. well. Um, yeah. And that's Do another thing. Team?
0: Do you have um, yeah, I have
1: when I when I have a big contract, I usually hire in people. Yeah. So I, I tend to work individually by myself um, for the majority of the time and then I bring people in depending on the contract. But self-care right. is really really important to me. And I think kind of going back to Olive, and I hope you don't mind me kind of going, No,
0: this is all about Olive.
1: <laughs> yeah, a back bit but it's really important of we kind of you know, mention and refer. I think it's so important as a black woman to to prioritise self-care. So I'm doing, you know, doing work and, you know, I'm proud of Mm. the work I'm doing. But a lot of people forget that one of the life-changing moments for Olive came at the age of 17, right? She was still literally, she was coming out of being a child. And because quite often we the I don't know if the word is defeminized or like we, we remove the sensitivity from black women because we expect black women to be strong. But yes. she was still like, she was still a child, you know? And so and for you have me. To understand
0: we're talking the 70s, remember? Exactly, yeah. exactly. So mm-hmm. even just
1: that, that strong black woman's trope, mm. whilst if you read the account of what she was, what she went through at the hands of the police, you know, the threats she got she, yeah. every time she wanted to speak, she was slapped. She, yeah. And then she still kept on going after that. It stirred something in her. She yeah. still did all that work. But I also yeah. want to honor her memory by saying, like, even when I'm doing the work and I'm, I'm active on in my business, but also active in social media, I will rest too, because I still deserve to rest. And I don't want to have the burden of this strength to overshadow the importance of, you know, Know, that gentleness that comes with being a woman and being a black woman so for me it's just important just to honor her legacy like that because unfortunately she didn't get hopefully you know hopefully she had moments where she didn't get as much of a chance to to be seen as that gentle you know yeah. teenager because she yeah. went through mm-hmm. a lot so yeah, yeah for me it's a lot of work um, I'm active on social media. I'm, I'm a big fan of a, of, of What's Twitter. What's your handle? Let us it's, know. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's Ron well, they'll find me quite easily because I'm okay. chatty, chatty on social. But I love it, and I use my platform um, intentionally because of that. One thing is is is, and this is why I say everything goes back to purpose. You know, being yeah. a hy- hyper visible black woman on these platforms is for me. It's important because black women's stories don't get documented the way they ought to. So I'm going to mm-hmm. use these platforms even at the risk of being, you know, trolled, because black women get trolled the most on social media, I'm still going to use my platform. I'll I'll boost my people's platforms. And my people is like going back to the, uh, you know, at the beginning of our conversation, it's just community, like all these communities, you know, across all our diasporan communities and just amplifying. So yeah, that's what I, that's what I'm doing, working and tweeting.
0: Thank you for listening to the Black Plaque podcast series. This podcast is part of the Nubian Jack Black Plaque Project. If you want to find out more about these historic figures, visit blackplaqueproject.com. And if you want to find out more about the trust, visit nubianjack.com.
1: This podcast is produced by Unedited.